Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your host. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week we're going to be recapping the 2016 mystery thriller Girl on a Train starring Emily Blunt and that's it. She's the only one there. Um. Okay, two things. Number one, I love Emily Blunt. Yes. Number two... Don't you think the title Girl on a Train is a little condescending? Don't you feel like it should be Grown Woman on a Train? It should be Grown Woman on a Train. It should also be Girl Who's Mostly on a Train because she does leave the train. (laughs) She's not always on the train. It was a little misleading, okay? (laughs) I don't know. When you hear Girl on a Train, I feel like my mind immediately went to this is a girl who lives on this train secretly she's cursed she has a curse she was cursed by an old witch and she can't ever leave the train <gasps> Ooh, yes trademark that i mean, you can't trademark ideas like that oh you can't i don't know i don't think so emily blunt by the way she's married to jim from the office that's right. They were in Quiet Place together. Yeah, I've never seen that. Actually, I've never seen Me that either. Movie. I wonder if that would be an interesting one to recap. I'll look into it for spooky season. The spooky season. Spooky. This is how we're kicking off spooky season with Girl on a Train. Or actually, Girl on the Train. Oh, we forgot the duh. The the. Did you say it in the beginning, Girl on the Train? Or did you just say Girl Train? <laughs> Girl train, girl train, (laughs) which is like a completely different genre of a completely different thing. (laughs) Girl train is not our genre. That's a different kind of spooky, you know, girl train is on our OF. So (laughs) for that version, (laughs) subscribe. Anyways, Emily Blunt plays Rachel Watson, who's the uh, main character of our story. Yeah, and Rachel is an alcoholic who rides the train every day to and from Manhattan, but she was also, like, fired from her job, like, a year ago, so, like, she just kind of rides to ride. She, she's she's commuting, essentially. She's commuting in the morning and in the evening, and I don't know, maybe all day long. They don't really specify this. Like, we know she commutes in the morning, and we know she commutes in the evening, but it's kind of implied that she just gets on and off the train over and over again. Yeah, I don't know what she does during the day. There's no bathrooms on that train. Maybe she gets off the train station to use the bathroom and just sits there all day. Maybe she walks around Manhattan. But she also carries like this little water bottle, but it's full of what I assume to be vodka because it's a clear liquid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be gin. Oh, but no one sips on. Do people sip on gin like that? I'm sure some people do. The thing with Rachel is that she chooses a very specific seat on this train because she likes to look out on her old neighborhood. So the train passes her old neighborhood and she could see the house where she used to live. And the people that live there now are her ex-husband and the woman he left her for, who happened to be their realtor. Yo, that's crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> that? First of all, let's right off the bat, ex-husband, trash, realtor, mm-hmm. trash. This woman got a commission to steal your husband. Like that's mm. that's cold. That's stone cold. Would that be considered a form of prostitution? I'll tell you right now, as a realtor, 
realtors don't want your husband. Okay. Like I'm just gonna, this is fiction. (laughs) Realtors do not want your husband. Realtors want your commission, (laughs) not your husband. They want your commission and not your husband. A hundred percent. They even have a baby together now. Rachel's ex-husband and his new wife, they have a little, Mm -hmm. little baby together. Yeah. And Rachel gets to see them from the train several times a day. How often, especially as a new mom with a baby, like how often do you even go outside for someone to witness you like on your back patio holding your baby? Well, you know what? We'll get to baby mama later. I have a lot to say about baby mama. Okay. (laughs) But she is unimportant right now. She is not relevant. Who is relevant, though, is a woman that lives two houses down from Rachel's ex-husband. Yeah, she is played by Haley Bennett. Her name is Megan. I want to, I feel like I've seen her in other things, but I don't know for sure. She's very pretty. She has like a, almost like an inhuman sort of look to her. She gives me that sort of ethereal beauty that's not like, I don't know. It's just, it's everyday beauty, but it's somehow otherworldly at the same time. Yeah, she looks almost like a doll, like somebody created her Mm -hmm. to be mostly human-like. She gives me Uncanny Valley. It's giving Uncanny Valley. it does. Like, she could be CGI. Mm -hmm. Who's the other one that's CGI? Liam Hemsworth. Yes. (laughs) Her and Liam Hemsworth would have the cutest little CGI babies. Um, That's definitely going to be, like, a baby that gets, like, punted off a bridge because it's, like, (laughs) human but not. Yeah, like, creepy. Rachel has become a little obsessed with Megan, who she doesn't know her name is Megan. She doesn't know their names. Rachel has become obsessed with Megan and her husband. And she like makes up this story in her head about them. I don't know. I guess because they're they're this gorgeous young couple. Because first of all, the husband is fine. Like he's also very attractive. Mm -hmm. And they do this thing where they're just casually making out on their back porch and having sex on their kitchen table, all in plain view of the train that passes by their house. Okay, side note real quick. This is terrible for resale value like buying a house right next to the train tracks but what if it's in a good school district (laughs) you got me there (laughs) what if it's fully updated with three finished levels honestly in this market people would probably buy a house that's like the train goes through it (laughs) like in this market it's like it's you know the train goes through the house but i mean it's fully updated and it's in a really good school district and there are literally no other options and there's a there'll be a bidding war for sure and it's priced only fifty thousand dollars above market value (laughs) no inspections take it and run (laughs) (laughs) and so like while rachel has imagined this perfect life like the exact opposite of rachel's own failed marriage Mm -hmm. while she's imagined this perfect life for this couple We get to see a peek into Megan. We get to see kind of a sneak peek into her actual reality. Megan is bored to death here. She does not want to be a housewife. Her husband, Scott, is seems to be the very controlling type of husband that doesn't want her to do anything. Well, the only job she really has is she works as a nanny for Rachel's ex-husband and his new wife, Anna. Yeah. And by the way, She looks like a hotter version of Anna. Megan is a hotter version of Anna. Megan is definitely a hotter version of Anna. But also, like, Anna does not work. She is a stay-at-home mom. 
but she also has a full-time nanny. I don't shame Anna for having a nanny, even though she's a stay-at-home mom, because we're both stay-at-home moms for a time period. And it is the most psychologically exhausting thing in a way that no job could ever be. It is. I don't blame her for having a nanny. I blame her for having a full-time nanny. But even so, like, to be honest with you, I think if you can afford the help, you should have it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not... Okay, maybe I'm jealous. (laughs) (laughs) It's giving jealous. (laughs) You know what? That's fair and appropriate. (laughs) No, but really, like, if you can afford to have someone come clean your house, have Mm -hmm. someone come clean your... Do you know what I mean? Like, because... In reality, we weren't meant, like human beings were not meant to raise babies on our own in a house by ourselves. We were meant to do it in a community. And just these days, you have to pay for that community. You have to pay for the nanny. You have to pay for the cook. You have to pay for whatever. Most people obviously can't. Like I couldn't, right? You couldn't. Mm-hmm. But Anna is in a better position. She can afford to pay this this woman. What I do fault her for is hiring the hottest woman to be her nanny. Uh-huh. It's, it's like absolutely not. It's like you're asking for your husband to have an affair. But it's not even about the husband. It's just about how shitty I would feel about myself. Like you just had a baby. You have throw up on you. You haven't slept. You feel Uh like crap. And then this gorgeous young girl is just hopping with her perky boobs into your house. This gorgeous young woman who is a younger, hotter version of you. Absolutely not. No, no, thank you. Anyways, let's get back to Megan. Megan has some hella issues. Mm -hmm. Hella issues. I mean, she's in therapy and her issues run so deep that she's trying to seduce her therapist. She is. And you know, this movie for the first time made me wonder because I've never had a male therapist. But I'm curious now. This is going to sound terrible, but, but hear me out. Therapy is very intimate. And when you're falling in love with someone, it requires intimacy, right? So it requires attraction and intimacy. So it's like, if you are an attractive person that someone is going to naturally be attracted to, and then on top of that, you're being intimate by sharing, you know, all your thoughts and experiences, how does a therapist not fall in love with the person? I think that therapists have a level of detachment, but also I think it, On the flip side, I think it's harder for the patient to not fall in love with their therapist. Mm, Right, because the patient is the one sharing. Yeah, the patient is sharing and the therapist is sort of trained for this no judgment zone. And I think that it's probably harder for the patients to not fall in love with their therapist because essentially they're showing them the worst part of themselves. And the therapist is like, okay, Megan... I was wondering, like, what happened to her? Because she's so hypersexual and that kind Mm -hmm. of makes you think something happened to her when she was younger and something did. But it seems like she's been hypersexual even before the traumatic event. So, yeah. So the traumatic event is revealed later in the movie to the therapist. But essentially, Megan had a baby with her brother's best friend, When she was a teenager, they like ran away to this cabin in the woods and were just sort of living out there. She got pregnant, had this baby, but it was freezing cold. Her boyfriend had just kind of taken off 
And she got in the bathtub with the baby to stay warm and the baby drowned. It's such a horrific thing to have happened. It just seems like I would love to know what happened to her before that. Because for someone to run away and live in the frigid code, you know, give birth by herself, like something else happened before this. No, something else definitely happened. Megan just screams trouble from the beginning. But also, I wonder how much of what she told her therapist is true. And also, Megan gives me the vibes of the the type of troubled woman who thinks that her value is basically just her ability to be sexual, which mm-hmm. is very common with like troubled women where they think that their ability to seduce a man is somehow special when it's like not to hurt mm-hmm. your feelings, my love, uh, but seducing a man is not special. Like anyone could seduce them. Like literally there are yes. robots. There are like robots that vaguely look human that have seduced men. So mm-hmm. not a special skill to have. Megan is a nanny, like we said, but she hates being a nanny. She doesn't even like kids. And the thing is that her husband, uh-huh. Scott, like he wants her pregnant barefoot in the kitchen. Like he wants her to be this domestic woman that she doesn't want to be. She even hates just taking care of a baby. Yeah. And she tells her therapist this, that every single day she comes home from work and she gets straight in the shower to wash the smell and feeling of that baby off of her. What is wrong? Like, what kind of person wants to wash off the smell of a baby? Babies smell divine. Listen, I love the smell of babies. You know, honestly, like the way baby powder smells is kind of adjacent to how babies smell. Yeah, but like add the scent of baby powder in with just like a freshly cleaned, like... Anyways, smell a baby and you'll know. <laughs> I, I feel weird about this tangent. I feel like it just feels like we're encouraging something that might be misconstrued. <laughs> Listen, anybody who's ever smelled a baby knows something about that baby scent just does yeah. something to your ovaries, okay? Well, you can't just go around smelling babies. I'm realizing as we talk about this that if somebody had asked to sniff my baby, like a stranger was like, hey, I was listening to this podcast and they said the baby smell incredible and I want to sniff your baby's head. I would have ran like in the opposite direction. Let, let's clarify this. Do not ask strangers if you can sniff their baby. Um, but if you have a friend with a baby, mm-hmm. by all means, ask. I still feel so weird about this conversation. OK, moving on. <laughs> Anyways, so Rachel is again on her daily ride on the train and she's passing her old neighborhood and she sees Megan and Megan's on the back patio and she's kissing a man. It's not her husband. And Rachel flips out. This really triggers Rachel. And the reason it triggers her is because she had imagined that Megan had the perfect life and the perfect husband. She made up this whole fantasy life for Megan in her head, seeing Megan ostensibly cheating on her husband. I think it, it reminds Rachel of the fact that her husband cheated on her. I think it reminds Rachel of being cheated on, of like losing the dream. Yeah. In Rachel's head, she's like, this bitch is ruining her life. She has the perfect life, the perfect house, the perfect husband, the perfect marriage. And here she is fucking it all up. This sends Rachel over the edge that she was just kind of teetering on to begin with. 
Yeah, Rachel was unwell from the beginning. She was um, obviously she was pretty unhinged because she was stalking not just her ex-husband, but also a stranger uh, two houses down, uh, sipping on her uh, gin vodka tonic. (laughs) Right. You know, we don't know what's in there. We don't know. She had me fooled, though. I literally thought for the first couple scenes, I thought it was water. We thought it was water until a baby until a lady with a baby sit down next to Rachel and Rachel's like oh such a cute little baby and you're like oh that bitch is drunk drunk oh my god this is what Rachel was listening to our podcast and she wants to sniff the baby oh no (laughs) liability (laughs) (laughs) we've we said it before and we'll say it again don't listen to us we are the worst (laughs) we don't know what we're talking about (laughs) Okay, so even though Rachel obviously being an alcoholic, she's drinking every single day. She's sipping on alcohol every single day. But on this particular day, after she sees Megan kissing, by the way, the man Megan was kissing was her therapist. Like we see him. Ah, yes. So that guy folded like a wet paper bag. He said, ethics who? I don't know ethics. (laughs) New number, who dis? (laughs) Rachel gets off the train and goes and gets fucked up. More so than she already is. You have to wonder how much alcohol she had to consume to get more drunk because she is on a on a daily. She is drunk. Right. So it's like Mm -hmm. how much more alcohol do you have to drink to get fucked up when you're normal, when your baseline is drunk? More than we could drink in our life probably yeah definitely it's it's making me dizzy to think about it (laughs) rachel actually gets out of the train at megan's stop like at Mm -hmm. the stop where the houses are and rachel thinks she's being followed because there's this guy that she always sees on the train and he seems to get out on the same Mm -hmm. stop and then she keeps looking back and he seems to be there she stumbles through the woods or something and she ends up like Mm -hmm. at an what is it like an overpass or i think it's like a tunnel with traffic that goes it's like a tunnel overpass okay so as she stumbles to the tunnel overpass, that sounds very architecturally correct. I'm just kidding. It does not. Um, <laughs> Rachel sees Megan like Megan's looks like she just went for a jog or something. She sees Megan going through this tunnel and mm-hmm. runs after her, calls her a whore and then just blacks out. Yeah. Rachel wakes up back in her apartment, covered in blood, no memory of what happened. And she is terrified because the bits and pieces that she does have a recollection of does not look good for Rachel. (laughs) No, she kind of just remembers like running after Megan, calling her a whore. And then just, you know, it just seems like there was some altercation, but she can't remember what happened. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine? Because like it makes me anxious to think about this. I've never had a blackout session or whatever, but. The idea that you could not remember what you did mm-hmm. is terrifying. Definitely. It's even more terrifying for Rachel because later that day, she learns that Megan is missing. Yeah, Megan never 
got home that night. So the same night that Rachel stumbled out, out of the train and, you know, saw Megan and called her a whore and then blacked out, uh-huh. Megan went missing. And I think we need to really, really emphasize how ragey Rachel was. Because I, I mean, we kind of uh-huh. said how she was triggered, but you have to understand like, Rachel was enraged that Megan was cheating on her husband. She was so mad. Like, she was mad to the point to where as the viewer, you honestly are like, yeah, Rachel probably fucking killed Megan. Yeah. I mean, it sounds legit. As you can imagine, this is pretty scary for her. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the fact that she's waking up covered in blood because then also Rachel has um she has like a wound on the side of her head so it's like she something happened you know what I mean like something happened and this scares her enough to make her go to AA Alcoholics Anonymous she goes to her very first meeting like she is like okay you know what this might be rock bottom (laughs) yeah you know what good for Rachel in the AA meeting Rachel tells everybody that she is prone to blackouts And her only recollection of when she blacks out is what people tell her Mm -hmm. and that her ex-husband would fill her in on all the blanks of the night before. And she also admits that she was violent, caused scenes, and she even got her husband fired from a job previously due to one of her violent, drunken outbursts at a work party. Rachel's husband took her to a work, kind of like a work dinner that was hosted at boss's Mm -hmm. house. And Rachel apparently took like a tray of deviled eggs and threw it against the wall and started cursing everybody out. And her husband, by the way, what's his name? Her her ex-husband? Tom. So Tom, you know, he was like mortified. And, you know, he told Rachel what happened because she didn't even remember. And he's like, Mm -hmm. you got me fired. You did this. You had this violent outburst, you know, and she was like, mortified but obviously all she could do is apologize and you could understand tom's side of like if your spouse is getting blackout drunk and having violent outbursts like sorry just doesn't cut it yeah and like rachel has some flashbacks that we kind of get to see where she is you know breaking a mirror in the hallway with a golf club and screaming at tom and just being extremely extremely violent and uncontrollable when she drinks at this point i wonder like does rachel really think that she did something to megan oh i think she 100 percent thinks she does because it just seems like she's in denial about it i think that subconsciously she really thinks she did something to megan but she's hoping that by not drinking and by getting sober, that I guess she's looking for re- redemption. Okay, uh, I guess maybe, but redemption is going to jail, ma'am. That's fair. Um, I won't be doing that, though. <laughs> <laughs> you would be like, look, I signed up for Planet Fitness. Like, I, I'm a better person now. <laughs> yeah, I'm in therapy. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing drugs. I'm taking my meds. I'm taking my little pharmaceuticals. Everything's fine. I'm better. And I'm really sorry about Megan, but... (laughs) Sometimes you live and you learn. Someone dies. (laughs) You know what? It happens. Megan was also trash. (laughs) She was. But no one deserves. But anyway, we don't... At this point, we don't know what happened to Megan. Okay? So, to be fair, she's only missing. Right? Mm -hmm. So... 
when Rachel gets back to her apartment mm -hmm. after her first AA meeting, there are investigators there that want to question her. Yeah, there's investigators and they're like, hey, girl, hey, listen, you were in the neighborhood. You don't live there. You don't belong there. And now a woman is missing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying that the missing woman looks a lot like your ex-husband's new wife, you know, maybe maybe the heat of the moment got to you and you're like, I'm going to kill that bitch for stealing my husband. And then you panicked because you were like, oops, wrong bitch. And honestly, it all fits like from the investigator's perspective, because they can't possibly know that Rachel has been trained stalking Megan and her husband and all this stuff. And that Rachel was like furious with Megan specifically. Mm -hmm. They can't know that. All they know is that Rachel is the alcoholic, violent ex-wife of Tom, who is now married to Anna. And Tom and Anna have made reports about Rachel mm -hmm. coming into their house, freaking cuddling their baby, like doing crazy shit. So obviously the police are like, listen, the math is mathing. Yeah. And Rachel's like, oh, no, like I didn't I didn't know Megan, but I do know that she was cheating on her husband. And they're like, how the fuck? <laughs> and so she tells them like, well, I saw her from the train. And they're like, OK, no, you're a drunk. We can't believe anything you say. And they're like the train. She's like, yeah, on my way to work. And they're like, oh, the PER firm? And Rachel's like, yeah. They're like, honey, you got fired like a year ago. Yeah. So you don't go there anymore, sweetie pie. So obviously, Rachel is just not a reliable witness at all. And she's also not a reliable, like, she's not credible to even herself. Right. She's like, oh, wait a minute. I, I sound crazy to me. Right. For the investigators, it makes sense that Rachel would take Megan out thinking it was Anna, thinking it was mm -hmm. the woman who stole her husband. Like that is motive. That makes sense. Yeah, because Scott, Megan's husband, he's like, no, she didn't have any enemies. I don't know who would hurt her, mm -hmm. you know? It makes sense that Megan was not the target. That definitely makes sense. Although we know that if it was Rachel, Megan was definitely the target. Rachel was very furious with Megan specifically. And also one thing that kind of stood out to me was that Rachel's memories of that night keep kind of changing. Mm -hmm. Because in one of the memories that she has, like a flashback of that night, she thinks it's Megan. She runs up to her calling her a whore. And then it turns out to be Anna. Right. And then in that flashback, Anna beats up Rachel. Mm -hmm. And then in another flashback, some random guy comes up to her and starts beating her up. Mm -hmm. And so like Rachel, while she didn't black out totally, she blacked out enough to where her memories keep kind of they're fluid and they keep fluctuating. Mm -hmm. And they're also very unclear. So she's like, shit, was it Anna? Was it Rachel? Was it some other blonde? Right, right. Well, and then. Also, I mean, just in general, memory is very fallible and malleable. Like you can you can suggest someone into remembering something. Yeah, you can definitely suggest somebody into remembering something. And I remember my therapist once told me because, um, you know, we were talking about like memories and stuff from childhood. And I had told her, like, I don't know which ones are real and which ones are my grown-up mind filling in the blanks for my mm. child's mind. Mm -hmm. 
And she said it didn't matter that if it's in your brain, it's real. So like the fight or flight or the emotion that we feel for memories, it doesn't matter whether they're real or not because you feel them the same. It still affects you, right? That Mm -hmm. makes sense. Rachel now takes it upon herself. And maybe this is a self-preservation thing because Rachel thinks to herself, okay, Megan was having an affair. Like, this is another suspect. Like, this is someone that could have done something to her. The police is not believing me. So Rachel decides that she is going to go to Megan's house and talk to her husband, Scott. Yeah, but, you know, Rachel can't just show up at Scott's house and be like, hey, I watch you guys from the train. (laughs) So Rachel goes and she lies and she says, oh, yeah, I worked with Megan at the gallery and we were friends. um, And I wanted to let you know that she was having an affair. So maybe check into that guy. Right. Megan used to work at a gallery before she married Scott. So Scott doesn't know any of her like old Mm -hmm. friends. And so this is this is plausible. Rachel, how did Rachel know that Megan worked at a gallery? I think that she heard it on the news where they're like, you know, Megan intern at whatever gallery. Okay. uh, Former. I think it was from the news. Okay. Scott believes Rachel when she said that Megan was having an affair. Scott's immediate reaction is, I bet you it's that fucking therapist. She's at therapy all the time for hours. Yeah. Scott shows Rachel a picture of the therapist and Rachel's like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the man she was kissing. Mm -hmm. And so Scott goes to the police and tells them like, hey, my wife was having an affair with this therapist. Yeah. And they bring the therapist in for questioning. So now the therapist is a suspect. Uh Uh-huh. Scott is obviously one of the first suspects in his wife's disappearance because, you know, Mm -hmm. that's how it goes. And honestly, like if it wasn't Rachel... Scott was kind of my next. Right. If it's not Rachel, it's Scott. And if it's not Scott, it's the the therapist that she was kissing on the porch. Like, it just, that's how investigations go. You start very nuclear. Um, and it's kind of a fluke that they even came upon Rachel. Because Rachel has no connection to Megan or Scott. And her only connection is that she's been stalking her, ex, her ex-husband and his new wife, who happened to live two doors down. I think it was probably Tom that put in the tip that it might be Rachel. Right. Because because the investigators said that there was a drunken woman scene in the neighborhood that night. But it's like, mm-hmm. how would they know that's Rachel? Somebody who knew Rachel would have had to tell them. Yes. And I bet you it was Tom. Ugh, ex-husbands. They're the worst. Always trying to frame you for murder. You know what I mean? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Rachel befriends Scott, Megan's husband. And Scott has no one else to turn to. Like, it seems like he doesn't have any friends in the area. It doesn't seem like he has Mm -hmm. family in the area. He really leans on Rachel with his frustrations over, like, the investigators thinking that Mm -hmm. he probably did it, the media hounding him. Yeah, and one night when the news crews are outside his house, you know, just kind of harassing him, he actually runs to go to Rachel's house. He goes and stays at Rachel's apartment. And mm-hmm. I thought something was going to happen because she was giving him the eyes. Mm-hmm. Because he's fine. Like, Scott is Scott is a snack. Like, I don't know if he's a murderer at this point, but hopefully he's not because he's a snack. We can look over it. <laughs> no, we can't. Anyways, you know, a few days after the investigation has started, um, Megan is no longer missing. Megan is... 
dead. This is now a homicide investigation because Megan's body has been found. Yeah, the cause of death is blunt force trauma. And also, it's determined that she was pregnant when she died. It's determined that neither Scott, her husband, or the therapist are the father of the baby, which means there is a third man in the mix here. Yeah, what's what's the female version of not being able to keep it in your pants? Not being able to keep your pants on. Okay, tucking keep it in. Keep your skirt down. Oh, I don't like any of this. Never mind. <laughs> your legs closed. Oh, I hate it. This, this just sounds so patriarchal. Okay. It does. Um, Be a hoe. It's okay. <laughs> Anna, the wife of Rachel's ex, she's scared of Rachel, right? Because Anna has witnessed Rachel cold calling her house all night long, calling her husband's cell phone. There's like hundreds of like calls Mm -hmm. on the call log from from Rachel. And so Anna goes to the police and she's trying to press charges. Like, listen, Rachel is getting crazier and crazier over the past like couple months. Mm -hmm. Like we we need to do something. And Anna shows the police the, the phone records. And the police are like, but these are all from an unknown number. And Anna says, yeah, but unknown means Rachel. And they can't really do anything yeah. um, about it. They're like, we we can't prove that this is Rachel. And they're also like, being annoying is not illegal. And then the detectives are like, hey, are you sure Tom doesn't want to talk to his ex-wife? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Tom is nurturing this relationship. Yeah, the detective plants a seed in Anna's mind. Like, how you get him is how you lose him. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know he's a cheater because he cheated with you. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Anna, has this has never occurred to her before. After the police sort of plant this seed, Anna goes digging for evidence. She tries to get onto Tom's laptop. And then she goes through, you know, his work bag And she finds a burner phone and there's a whole bunch of texts that are like, I'm going to be late. I'm stuck watching Evie, which is Anna's baby's name. Right. Um, I can't wait to see you. I'm here. Where are you? Um, I can't wait to, you know, be inside you like all this stuff. Yeah. And when she goes digging around more on this burner phone, she hears the voicemail message And it's Megan's voice. And it says like, you know, this is Megan, leave a message. And so now Anna has to grapple with the fact that this burner phone belongs to Megan. And Megan was using it to have an affair with Tom. And so her husband is having an affair with a woman who's missing, essentially. At this point, Anna knows. Anna knows. Yeah. She's not going to say anything, but Anna knows. Anna is the least likable person in this entire fucking story no anna 100 is the least likable person in this story rachel's trying to you know get her memories back she's trying to piece together definitively what happened that night mm-hmm. um i think she's doing it just as much to clear her own name as she's doing it to sort of also find out who actually did it right And she sees this guy at the bar. He triggers a memory. And she's like, you were there that night at the tunnel. And he's like, yeah, I live around here. I go that way every day. It's not a big deal. And she's like, tell me what happened. He's like, you were fall over drunk and you busted your ass. That's it. Yeah, this man tells her that he saw her on the ground. There was some 
kids messing with her and Mm -hmm. he shooed them away and helped her up. So now she has an anchor memory that she can pull. And so she remembers this man helped her up. But then she remembers how she ended up on the ground in the first place. The way she ended up on the ground in the first place was that she saw Megan, who was actually Megan, going through the tunnel to a car at the other side of the tunnel. Megan goes over to Tom, who's in the car, and says Rachel's down there. So Tom goes down to the end of the tunnel and just shoves Rachel over to the side out of view and beats the shit out of her. And then goes back down and gets in the car and drives off with Megan. So now we have Megan and Tom together the night that Megan Mm -hmm. disappears. And so Rachel decides that she needs to go warn Anna. Yeah, because in Rachel's mind, it's like, this is it. Tom killed Megan. Yeah, after she talks to the guy, she gets on the train and she sees Tom's old boss, his wife. The one where Rachel apparently made a scene at this lady's home by Mm -hmm. throwing the deviled eggs. And Rachel goes to apologize to her. And she's like, hey, I just want to apologize for, you know, making a scene at your party. And the lady's confused. Yeah. The lady tells her, Rachel, what are you talking about? You didn't make a scene. You you had too much to drink. And a lot of us had too much to drink. But then you just, you know, took a nap in one of the spare rooms and then you went home the next day. So the lady is telling her this whole thing, this whole scene that Tom told you 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 made didn't happen. Rachel is also confused. She's like, but I got Tom fired. And the lady says, no, Tom got himself fired because he couldn't keep his dick in his pants. Rachel has based all the memories of what she's done when she was blacked out drunk on what Tom told her. Tom has always filled in the blanks for her. Now she's realizing that he has been lying to her. And suddenly all of those memories start flooding back to where, you know, that time that she remembers breaking a picture with a golf club. She remembers now it was actually Tom. And so essentially, yeah. Tom was the violent one in the relationship this whole time. And then the next morning, he would blame it on her. Yeah, he would be like, you got me fired or look what you did. You made a huge mess in the hallway. You broke the mirror. So Tom was planting these memories in Rachel's head to make Rachel feel inferior. So now Rachel has a clearer picture of who Tom is and what Mm -hmm. he's capable of. Because up until this point, she thought she was she thought he was this nice guy that just, mm-hmm. you know, was down on his luck with a with an alcoholic uh, wife. Yeah. And I feel like this really spurs Rachel into trying to get Anna away from Tom as quickly as possible. Rachel goes to Anna to tell her that she should leave Tom. Obviously, Anna doesn't want to hear it because Anna's like, you are literally my stalker. Like, I don't want to hear anything you have to say. Rachel tells Anna, listen, he was having an affair with Megan And Anna goes, I know. Mm -hmm. I know he was. Mm -hmm. You can tell Anna's super flustered. She doesn't know what to do. She knows her husband was having an affair with a now dead woman. And I think that Anna's plan at this point is to wait it out until she can leave safer. Yeah, I don't know what Anna's plan is, but her just refusing to take any action just makes her character so unlikable. Her character was already unlikable. Well, yeah, because she home wrecked uh, Rachel's home, which, you know, really did her a favor, but she didn't know that. Yeah. Well, Tom hears the commotion and comes outside. 
at this point, Rachel has no chill. She's like, you're a murderer. You killed her. You're a murderer. And Tom's like, shut the fuck up. My neighbors can hear you. (laughs) Yeah. Tom pulls Rachel inside because he doesn't want his neighbors to hear what she's saying. And Mm -hmm. it actually turns into like this violent attack. Tom attacks Rachel because she... She tells mm-hmm. him, like, I remember what happened. And he's like, shut up. And she's like, no, I know exactly. You picked up Megan. You were the last person to see her. And he loses it. And he starts beating the crap out of Rachel. Rachel gets free and tries to run. But he catches her by the door and just starts strangling her. At this point, Anna is standing at the top of the stairs. She's watching this happen. Mm-hmm. And she's not doing anything. And it's so infuriating. Mm-hmm. Rachel is, I mean, it looks like she's, I mean, she's being strangled to death, um, but uh-huh. she manages to to break free. She like grabs like a, a vase or something. It's so convenient to have vases around your I house. I think it's an umbrella stand. Okay. You should have vases and uh, umbrella stands all around your house just uh-huh. to be safe. She grabs it and she starts beating the shit out of Tom with it. Mm-hmm. Once he's down, she takes off outside and takes off running. Tom is up again pretty quickly, and he catches up to her and grabs her. But Rachel was prepared this time because that bitch has a corkscrew. She has a, uh, not funny, but she has a corkscrew, which I guess, you know, she's an alcoholic. So, of course, she has a corkscrew in her pocket. It's a little bit funny. It's a little Um, bit funny. And she has this corkscrew. She turns around and just Dabs Tom in the neck with the corkscrew. He drops to the floor, obviously bleeding out. Anna walks up after literally having done nothing. She Uh just kneels down next to Tom and she turns the fucking corkscrew. That was brutal. Like, I'm sorry. Anna is the villain of this story. She's fucking terrifying. She she goes in and she turns the corkscrew so it goes deeper into his neck And then she leans over him, gets herself covered in his blood and starts like fake crying. So the police come, both women, they have the same account of what happened that, you know, Mm -hmm. Tom attacked Rachel and Rachel, you know, and Anna had to kill him in self-defense. And so it seems like they're going to get off on a self-defense claim also because Tom is now going to be proven as the killer of Megan. Megan. Yeah, and at this point, we get the POV from Megan the night she was killed. Megan gets picked up by Tom at the tunnel, and Tom's really frustrated with Megan. He's like, okay, I'm here. What's going on? Well, she asks him to take her to the woods, which... Bitch. Oh, God, why? Why? I guess that's where they hook up. They hook up in the woods. Like, these two grown-ass people go in the woods. Absolutely not. Well, what happens that night is that Megan tells Tom that she's pregnant and she says, listen, it might be yours. Like the baby might be yours. So I thought you should know. Yeah. And he said, oh, get an abortion. He's like, unless it's Scott's, then do whatever the fuck you want. He gets kind of annoyed with her to the point. I mean, he Tom obviously has a short temper. He's obviously violent. Mm-hmm. Tom gets really irritated Megan sticks to her guns and she's like, you can be involved as much or as little as you want. He starts screaming at her. He's like, this is going to ruin my life. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not this was not the deal. Tom pushes Megan and she trips over a branch falling backwards and hits her head. She cracks her head on a rock. At this point, I'm thinking, 
oh, okay, God, it was an accident. It's still terrible. And, you know, obviously, whatever. But as she's on the ground with him looking over her, she continues to threaten him, which like, oh, I don't like to victim blame. But girl, let's have some survival instincts, you know? Yeah, she does continue to threaten him. She's like, you're not getting rid of me. And so he grabs a rock and hits her repeatedly in the face. I can't really stomach that scene. It was really brutal. He starts dragging her away to put her body to like hide her body. And she opens her eyes. She's not dead. And again, girl, do you have no survival instincts? Like he thinks you're dead. Play dead. And instead she wakes up and she's she opens her eyes and she starts screaming like, I'm not uh-huh. dead yet. <laughs> um, And then he he uses the rock again. Oh, man. It was so brutal how he killed her it was so so brutal uh-huh so that's how megan died yeah and i think that's one of the reasons why anna and rachel are gonna get away with murdering tom well here's the thing right rachel didn't murder tom it was self-defense 100 percent. anna on the other hand knelt down an already incapacitated man who could have survived like he didn't he might have survived the corkscrew in his neck And she twisted it, okay, Mm -hmm. ensuring that he didn't survive. That's murder. No, that is murder. But also, like, don't you think he kind of deserved it? (laughs) You're like, but it's okay this time. No, but what I'm saying is, like, Anna and Tom deserve each other. They were both murderers at the end of the day. Well, remember at one point, Anna even says she sort of misses being the other woman. Yeah, she's a terrible, like, Anna is a terrible person. Bitch, go be a hoe with a single man. You know what I mean? (laughs) There's so many single men you can be a hoe with. Like, there's so much dick out there. You don't need the married one. No, it's not the Hunger Games for dick anymore, you know? Yeah. But we get to see a little bit of the aftermath of what happens. You know, Rachel starts to get her, she starts to get her shit together. Yeah, she starts rebuilding her life because, you know, I have to say, you know, the cycle of addiction, it requires shame. And the fact that Tom made her think that she did all these horrible things when she was drunk, it probably added to her shame, which like continued the cycle of addiction, which is where he wanted her. That's where he wanted her. And so now breaking free of that and realizing like, oh, I actually am not this horrible person I thought I was. I think mm-hmm. it helps her get sober. I think so, too. She still has issues, though. Oh, for sure. She's going to have issues for a while. She needs a little a little bit of psychological intervention. Because mm-hmm. also imagine the PTSD of like all this, this whole situation. Like she put a corkscrew in her ex-husband's neck like that. You know what? Maybe that was cathartic for her. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, and also like the irony of it being a corkscrew, you know, it's like she Mm -hmm. was an alcoholic. She anyway. Yeah. Well, that is where our movie leaves us. The teapot is empty for today. Don't worry. More is brewing it on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you next time. Bye.